Welcome to The Lifeline, a production of Simply DJE Incorporated. The goal of this podcast is to build, inspire, and to empower our audience by speaking life and adding value to their day. We invite you to follow us on Facebook and TikTok, to like us on Instagram and Twitter, and to subscribe to us on YouTube. Now, let's tune in for today's episode. Top of the day, everyone. I trust that you are well. And thank you for joining us for this episode of The Lifeline. I'm your host, Barry J. Elliott, also known as BJE. The purpose of The Lifeline is to speak life, to add value to your day, and to tackle real-life issues with a practical yet a spiritual approach. You can visit us at simplybje.com and on social media at Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. So let's talk. May was mental health awareness at large. July is mental health awareness for minorities. And so today we want to look at the distinction and the significance of that distinction. And to help us to do that, we have special guest, licensed clinical mental health counselor, Mr. Jared Evans. Mr. Evans, thank you for joining us today. How are you, sir? Peace, peace, fam. I'm doing great. Wonderful day. Thank you for the opportunity for allowing me to share your platform. Man, I'm privileged to have you. I know that your schedule is crazy. And as I said to you earlier, I know that with the rise of mental health crisis, yourself and other mental health professionals are in high demand. And so you taking the time to do this means a great deal. So let's just dive into the conversation. For you and from your perspective, what is the significance of minority mental health awareness? Great question. So I, I kind of struggle with the whole word my, minority, but I'm going to keep it moving. <laughs> but outside of that, um, the whole purpose of the month, to my understanding, is simply to bring awareness to the unique struggles and challenges in racial and ethnic communities at the bare minimum. It's just simply there to bring awareness. Good stuff. So now, as you know, um, May was mental health awareness at large, right? And of course, now we're in July and it is mental health awareness for minorities. Why is it important or why do you feel that it was important for there to be a distinction between the two? It's very important because of the health disparities that is plaguing, you know, communities of color, pretty much. Um, Whether it's in the medical field, even newly in the mental health field, you know, there's has been like various disparities across the board. For example, um, like according to the Simon University blog, about 8.7% of Black adults receive mental health treatment and the counterparts of white adults um, get about 16% of um, treatment and care. Um, so it just, with that number alone, I mean, the question for me as a therapist is why? Why in our community are we behind when it comes to, you know, mental health services or when it comes to medical services, whatever the case may be. So you have to kind of tackle the institutions or the systematic, you know, racism when it comes to some of these institutions as to why they're not um, access of care when it comes to our community or even um, being represented um, proportionally, you know, in addition to, you know, our counterparts or whatnot, if that makes sense. Makes perfect sense. It's, it's interesting. Um, wow. So do you, you think that racism plays a part in the disparity of the health care that's rendered as it relates to mental health? So what I think 
I don't want to necessarily talk about what I think again to my um, view or whatnot, but you could just check historically. Historically speaking, um, African-Americans and other uh, communities of color have been disproportionately, you know, represented or also um, disproportionately served in these communities as well, too. So it's not necessarily about what I think. It's more about, like, the facts as to what's been going on you know, with these institutions and these systems in place. Wow. Yeah, I think when you said literally the amount of people with that are being serviced that with with healthcare, or should I say with mental health issues, um, you said 8% Black and 16% of Caucasian. So that's double. And so, you know, you just wonder what happens to that other, the, the, what's happening to the others that are not being served. So, I mean, the fact that you're giving these numbers is, is thought-provoking and is scary to a certain degree. Um, what, what are some of the mental health challenges that are innate to minority communities? So obviously some of the mental health challenges, um, if you just come from, a, if you just speak from a social perspective, According to the ColumbiaPsychiatry.org, 40% of homelessness are African-Americans. Um, 50%, uh, almost 50% of the prison population is representative of African-Americans. Almost 45% of the foster care is represented by African-American children. And when you think about mental health, so imagine a kid, you know, watching their parents struggle financially to the point where they are moving from place to place. You know, in mental health, as a therapist, when we talk to that kid and we kind of get an understanding of what's going on, that kid may be going through some adjustment disorder because their environment aren't stable. So they are moving from place to place. But imagine if that kid, you know, dealt with homelessness and is worried about their next meal or when they are going to you know, sleep in their bed again, you know, that would cause, you know, trauma to a sort that can manifest in so many things as it relates to anxiety and depression. But imagine that kid doesn't talk to anybody and that kid wow. goes to school and the teacher is looking at the kid and the kid is sleeping in class or the kid is, you know, too hungry where they can't focus. Now the kid is being almost punished or getting reprimanded for their behaviors, but nobody's really asking those questions. Like, why is the kid not paying attention? Or why is the kid sleeping in class? You know, but if you go underneath those things and you realize that maybe there's some disruption in the family dynamics, maybe they didn't get a good night's sleep because they've been traveling from hotel to hotel, extended stays to extended stays. So as a therapist, for me, I ask those questions like, why? Why is that the case? But just imagine with those numbers, you know, it affects the kids. I think it will affect the adults as much, if not more. You know, you know, a mom, a single mom trying to make ends meet or a single dad trying to make ends meet, you know, so it affects the whole family. So when you talk about barriers to mental health, you know, one thing that come to mind is, you know, insurance. Like some people do not have the money to afford assurance. Then when you talk about another barrier is accessibility. 
you know, that I don't know about you, but I grew up in the east side of Charlotte. There wasn't too many um, mental health practices or counseling practices near me. So when you talk about barriers, in addition to some of those things, insurance, access, you know, when you do find a therapist, you got to make sure they have availability to meet you or to, to right. talk with you. Right. You know, in addition to the availability, you have to connect with that person. So imagine um, getting connected or referred to a therapist that doesn't look like you, that doesn't Man. understand those intricate um, cultural components that you have to deal with. So to put a bow on this, barriers has everything to do with affordability, insurance, access, and representation, making sure that I'm able to connect with the therapist so I can share, you know, what I would like to share. And on the flip side, as a therapist or provider, you have to be culturally competent. Yeah. You know, imagine a therapist who knows nothing about uh, the struggles of living in the inner city or the struggles of the plight of a little black boy or little black girl. So if they have no knowledge of that and my client and the client comes in sharing those things, you, you, you just not going to be able to adequately treat that person because it's, it's as if you have no knowledge of the culture. So wow. this is a very layered topic is a very layered um, thing. It's not just one or two things, but when you think about barriers, it's all encompassing of, access affordability representation uh competency it's so many factors that prevents people from even receiving mental health services that's major it, when you were when you were asking those questions you know those the kinds of questions that you have to ask as a therapist as it relates to particular children i was thinking about when i was working for the school system here in charlotte and we had a student who was consistently falling falling asleep in class. And we found out that he was staying up late at night playing video games to stay awake because he was afraid to go to bed because his grandmother who was raising him worked late tonight, worked late nights. So he was staying up until she got home. And of course, that was affecting his performance at school. And so when you think about mental health, you think about how when there is a lapse in mental health, it affects almost every other institution. And so it doesn't exist in a silo. So that's major. And I think, um, you know, you were talking about growing up on the east side of Charlotte. I, I grew up in Baltimore. And, you know, I grew up in the inner city. It wasn't necessarily a poor neighborhood, but mental health wasn't something that was discussed. Um, and so you're right, exposure, accessibility, those things do matter. And so from your perspective and just what you've seen and what you know, what you've studied, how can we change that narrative? How can we change that, that dynamic? I mean, simply just bringing awareness. Um, that's why I love coming on platforms such as your, your, yourself and being able to talk about these things and shed light to these things. You know, obviously you look at me, I'm, I'm a black male therapist. So watching, so looking and listening to a black male therapist share their perspective, I believe it can connect with the audience. And it's like, wow, I didn't think of it like that. And let alone a person who looks like me, who probably grew up similarly to me, 
I feel like I can connect to that person. I feel like that person understands. Because think about this. When you are going to the doctor or there, whatever the case may be, what are you looking for in that doctor to do? You probably, or what, what do you require in that doctor? You might require them obviously to have the knowledge to treat whatever that they need to, that they need to treat. Also that understanding piece, you know, you will want to go to someone who can understand you as a person. You know, because if I go into a doctor's office and I'm just sharing them, them sim my symptoms, but now I'm putting no context behind my symptoms, then the doctors are going to prescribe whatever they think is best without understanding the the issue in its entirety. Like there's a kid that's coming to me saying, I, I'm anxious, I'm anxious, and I have no understanding of that person or where that person came from or lived. I might okay Adderall give some you know give some type of medication to to deal with the anxiety, but what if they get anxiety because they can't go to sleep at night because they're hearing gunshots, or they mm. can't go to sleep at night because their parents arguing, and they don't feel wow. safe. Those things can cause anxiety. It's not just you know us treating the symptoms, but it's us understanding the root causes, and that's why. That's one of the main reasons why I got into therapy to kind of shed light on those things and and just be a light at the end of the day. Because a lot of like I just imagine as a 14-year-old kid dealing with everything that I was dealing with, um, transitioning, you know, from a teenager to almost to a young adult at that time. That was a hard transition for me. It was a hard adjustment for me, you know. But what if I had someone to to talk to? And process some of these feelings. What if I had a mentor? What if I, my, you know, my my mom and my dad wasn't working as much, you know, that they had to do, you know, to kind of really, you know, talk and allow me to share my anxieties and my fears. You know, how much would that translate to a calmer mood? Wow, that's a, that's amazing. As I'm listening to your stories, it's making me just revisit some things in my own childhood. So would you say that those experiences informed in some way your decision to go into mental health? I'll be honest, like I have, I didn't know anything about mental health until I was probably in my second year of a counseling program. <laughs> because I, like I mentioned before, I was never introduced to a therapist or a social worker, let alone see someone who looked like me. You know, so for me, you know, I'm not just going to open up to just anyone, you know, right. even within that community, if you put some cultural context within our community, we don't put that business out in the street. You know, you know what mama used to say, you know what grandma used to say, like, you know, we don't, we don't put out, we don't air our dirty laundry outside. Right, so right. it's more so like you was taught to not open up to just strangers or random people. So, but what if I, I believe that person who looked just like me understood me and we could have connected in so many levels when it comes to just life. Yeah. That's why it's so important for that cultural competency to, to be in place when it, when it comes to providers. So just being culturally competent, being able to bring awareness such as yourself, you know, to stigmatizing languages, you know, ah, oh, man, you, you crazy. No, no, you're not going to be not going to use that type of, a language when I'm just expressing myself, you know, right. being educated on treatment. 
because one thing I understand about what I feel I understand about my clients is that they don't really fully understand what treatment is. You know, the only treatment they may understand is like surgery or getting a prescription. Like they associate that with treatment, but they don't associate talk therapy as treatment. That's true. Just being overall aware of our attitudes when it comes to mental health. Like, how do we, you know, when we just kicking it with the homies like or the boys or something, like, how are we talking about their vulnerability? Like, when they want to be vulnerable, talk about a significant other, and are we dismissing that? Oh, man, you acting like a punk or something. Like, are we, like, just being aware of those languages as well, too, because we all need safe spaces. Above all, us as Black people, we need safe spaces. I mean, the, I, I remember hearing this study about uh, 65% of our black youth um, I um, reported to having symptoms of PTSD. Wow. And that's post-traumatic stress disorder. So traumatic situations, stressful events, 65% of our youth reported symptoms of that. That's more than half. Wow. And just putting sure. things in the context, like I mean, what what could be what what could cause a kid to have PTSD? You know, and I just think about my work in the in the school system. You know, you have to dress a certain type of way. You have to have these types of shoes, and you have to look the part. And if you don't look the part, you may get teased, which is a form of bullying. You know? Very true. If you get teased enough, then now it can go physical, you know, you can get aggressive. And now, you know, I'm fighting and that's traumatic, you know, being in the classroom and knowing that people talking about you through the cell phones or Instagram or social media, whatever the case may be, that's traumatic. There's so many things that's causing our kids to, to be traumatized. But what do they do with those feelings? Oftentimes they suppress, they numb, they try to distract but what if we are able to engage those youth and let them know that there are better ways to cope with those feelings? That's a, that's an important discussion. And as you were talking, I was thinking about these, these traumatized young people become traumatized adults. And so if the trauma is, the trauma is never addressed, then that trauma becomes duplicated. Definitely. And um, now you're dealing with trauma at home as well, too. Yeah, because there's this thing that I love to talk about more, probably at another day, that intergenerational trauma. Yes, that trauma that has been passed down from grandparent to parent to myself. Because yes. if you want to put things into perspective, you know, I'm I like to think I'm still a young man and stuff, but you know, my mom, you know, she she grew up in the '60s. The '60s is a complete different time than today. Right. So imagine. The stuff that she internalized then and then that she kind of, you know, not almost say put onto me, but she subconsciously, you know, tried to teach me. For example, the one thing that kind of stood out, it's like when I was, you know, about seven or eight years old, I had to be on before I had to be home before the streetlights came on. Right. But connecting that phrase, you need to be home before the streetlights come on, it came from somewhere. Because when she grew up, it wasn't safe to be outside. When the street lights come on. Wow. So it's just those intricate details that we need to unpack as a community because that can be traumatizing. Wow. And I heard that growing up, you know, um, heard a lot. I mean, that was something that was normal. 
and I never connected it to the trauma of a child growing up during Jim Crow. That that that's just one example. I mean, yeah, you know, yeah. Um, you know, I don't know about you, but just like what if, like being at home with the blinds closed, it's like there's gonna be little things like that. Uh, you know, even I mean, like I said, this could be another conversation, but just how we punish our kids, you know, back in the day, you know, with whoopings or switches and stuff that that comes from a place. Wow. But we don't associate those things with being like intergenerational trauma. That's why it's so, so important that, you know, when we talk about, you know, Minority Mental Health Awareness Month, that we are being on the front lines and saying like, hey, therapy is okay. Like, you know, you can have God in therapy. Like there are people, therapists out here look just like you, who understand just like you. Like you have dealt with so much in your life. It's okay to have a supporter to kind of talk to. to yes, kind of sir. Some things. Out of all the people, I feel like we may need it the most just because of the history and the things that we have been through. If we are considered the intergenerational trauma that we that been passed down from grandparent, great grandparent to grandparent to to parent to us. That can be significant. And then today, dealing with symptoms of PTSD, internalizing our own pain, our own trauma, which can manifest in other ways. So it's just very layers, a very layer of conversation. I'm just glad that we are having it. Yeah, it sounds like we're going to have to have another conversation at some point because it's, it's a lot to it. The more I engage in these conversations about mental health, the more I understand and the more I see the need to keep having it. Because it's not, this is not a just a, a quick fix. It's going to take time. And as you so eloquently said, it's going to take awareness. And bringing awareness is going to take time because there's so many layers to it, as you said. And so as we, as we hasten to the end, let me ask you, just, just share um, any final thoughts, any final words that you would like to share with the audience about this whole conversation. Appreciate it. I definitely appreciate the opportunity. My, my final thoughts would be, um, you know, like 80% of my caseload are black males. And I, I don't want to take the time to kind of speak to the black males. Or if, if you if you're if you are listening and you know a black male, just encouraging them to listen to this possibly. But but I would say this, like who who is there for you, man? Mm. I know life is hard at times and it seems like the weight of the world is on our shoulders. Like, who is there for you? Now, I'm talking about from an emotional sense, a mental sense, or a mental perspective. Like, who is there for you? Understand we have our significant others, we have our kids, and we have to be strong, but there are safe spaces for you. I mean, whether it's me or whether it's my network of therapists, you know, representing a Black male therapist of Charlotte, you know, website, like, there are people out here for you and I just want to encourage them like like we have to begin to take time for ourselves because think about this who who would treat you better than yourself like who can treat you better than yourself and if you're not willing to go that extra mile to to make sure that you are taken care of from a mental emotional spiritual uh, physical sense like I mean who would who would do it so my encouragement to all the men and to anybody who's listening, 
please, it is imperative that you begin to address your mental and emotional well-being. That's because, good. Because physically, if we can, if we if we eat fast food for the next three months, we will see a physical difference in our, you know, bodies. But what about mentally? What about the anxiety that you deal with on day to, on a day to day basis? What about the stress that you deal with at work? What about those thoughts that you may have, like raising your kids and you know, it just gets frustrating at times because they may not understand or get it. Like, what about when it's just you and those four walls? We can't distract ourselves that for that much longer. Like, we can't avoid these questions. So I just, my encouragement to you, there are people out here who are willing to help and support you. There are people who got into this field specifically for you. Please reach out. Please um, take care of yourself. Powerful. If someone wanted to utilize your professional services or the network that you referenced, how could they do that? So I'm, I'm, I think I'm pretty accessible. I mean, you can definitely Google um, my name, um, Jared Evans, and also uh, reach out um, online. You can go to my website, revisioncw.com. You can also reach out to my network. Uh, I'm, I'm a part of the board, which I'm so excited about um, the Black Male Therapist of Charlotte.com. I think BMTCLT.com, I believe. And just um just 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 reach out <laughs> at the end of the day. Reach out and just see the the wonderful therapists that had gotten to this field specifically for us. And um let's begin to heal at the end of the day. Let's heal. But let's let's make sure that we are healing for the next generation. Let's make sure we are healing for our families. Let's make sure we are healing for our kids so so we can have better communities. But most importantly, let's heal for ourselves because we deserve it. You deserve it. Outstanding. Outstanding. Well, Jared, Mr. Evans, um, thank you so much for being a part of this conversation. And thank you for all that you do for our community. Thank you for what you do specifically for Black men. You are necessary and your experience, your voice, your competence, all of that adds value. And I simply want to say thank you because you are needed. And to our listeners, I encourage you, if you need mental health assistance, if you need therapy, if you need counseling, that does not mean you're crazy. You're crazy. It means that you're human. And so take advantage. And if you don't know what to do, as Mr. Evans said, reach out and there are people who can direct you in where you should go and how you can deal with your trauma, deal with anxiety, depression, or whatever may be plaguing you mentally. There is help for you and you don't have to deal with it alone. Again, Mr. Evans, thank you so much for this. Thank you for your time and thank you for being a part of this conversation. And again, I want to say to our audience, thank you for joining this episode of The Lifeline. Don't forget to check us out at www.simplybje.com and our social media sites. God bless you, my friend. Have an incredible day on purpose. And remember, as Mr. Evans said, nobody can take care of you like you. So be deliberate about taking care and attending to your mental health. Have a great weekend, everybody. God bless. Thank you for tuning into the Lifeline podcast. And it is our hope that we added life and value to your day. God bless. God bless.